Jamil for real presents the X's and oh no, who's NFL podcast IDP edition with your host Jamil. Hello, everyone. Yes, this is Jamil, and this is the uh, X's and O Knows NFL podcast. And today is the week one IDP awareness show, or the week two IDP awareness show. I, I don't. I mean, we're recapping week one and uh, a little, and then we're previewing week two. So I guess we'll call it the. I guess we'll call it the week two IDP awareness show. Yeah, makes sense. We didn't have a week one one because well, there was nothing to recap. So part of the show is doing the. Um, my IDP awareness players of the uh, the games from the previous week, and then also helping you out a little for those who are in IDP leagues, uh, just helping you out with your waiver wire a little, and uh, some notes that I made off of this week as a whole. So, uh, yeah, let's do this. Let's just jump right in. This is the first of many uh, IDP awareness spotlight shows, so we will be doing this every single week. I will be doing. I will be launching the show on Tuesdays. Sometime either uh, right after midnight, so Monday going into Tuesday, or right in the afternoon so that you can actually listen to the show on your car ride home or in the evening before your waivers play, uh, for the waivers come over the next day. So I'm trying to deliver this information to you in a timely fashion. So definitely, I would recommend staying tuned in, you know, like if you're on the community already and you're in an IDP league, this is definitely a show that you'll want to listen to before you make your waiver claims tonight. So um or at least I think so, at least. But uh, I, I feel like I've done very good with uh, IDP rosters uh, throughout. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely excited to be doing this. And uh, this will take uh, place of the weekly power ranking show that I was doing last year. Uh, the truth is everybody releases power rankings. And really, it does little to help anyone with anything. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying it. Power rankings most of the time are just conversation pieces to uh, debate and potentially agree with so but uh, yeah so i figured i'd actually deliver something useful here um in addition to this i will either be starting a newsletter or i will start doing the show live next week i'm not sure which one it's going to be i'm going to put a vote up on the facebook page whether you want the uh, all the ID, IDP uh, content delivered via newsletter, which would be a which would be more in depth because I would actually be I would actually be putting the rankings of you know um, uh, the rankings of my top twenty four for linemen, top um, twenty four for linebacker, and top twenty four for defensive back. We're treating this show as if you are playing in an IDP league where you're starting two DL, two LB and two db so that's two defensive line two linebacker two say uh two defensive back the defensive line will be including nose tackle defensive tackle defensive end and edge rusher linebackers will be including inside and outside linebackers that are not classified as edge rushers and the uh the defensive backs will be including safeties cornerbacks and nickelbacks so um so yeah uh, that that's the classification that we're going with. So I'm treating it as if when I'm giving the recommendations later on in the show, I'm treating it as if the top 24 are already gone because I don't have a reliable um, uh, ranking source for how many leagues um, certain players are available and so on and so forth. If I can get something like that as the season develops, then I surely will. But I'm gonna have to take a little time to figure that figured out. So I'm just basing it off of the top 24 already being gone. So it's fair to note that when I'm giving this advice, you should probably check to see who the top 24 are for that week. And if someone's available, then you know, 12 man league, you're starting two from each position. That would mean that that player should be started, right? Um, all things considered. So definitely. And we'll go through more of these steps as uh, as we get to that portion of the show. So once again, either a more in-depth newsletter, which would be releasing on Wednesdays, which means that if you want the ID help, IDP help in time for waivers, you're still going to have to listen to this, uh, to this show. Uh, as a, So the advantages of the newsletter is that you're going to get more information overall. And the advantage, advantages of live show is that you'll be able to ask questions if you want to tune in and to uh, participate in the live show. 
uh, the live show would be around around the one uh one one thirty time, um, if that's the route that we choose to go. But um, I'm personally leaning towards the newsletter being released on Wednesdays, if that is what everyone wants. All right, so jumping right in, let's put our spotlight. Let's put our IDP awareness spotlight on the players who did the best at their uh at their positions this past week. I will be doing. Two from each of uh from two from each of the major categories. So defensive line, which includes nose tackle, defensive tackle, defensive end, edge rusher, linebacker, inside and outside linebacker, and defensive back, which includes safety and cornerback. If in the course of doing the two, uh, if in the course of the uh, of doing the two, I ended up with two edge rushers, I will also throw an interior lineman in as a third. If I ended up with two safeties, I'll also throw in a cornerback as a third. So that way it diversifies just a little bit. So starting off, and this is not, this portion of the show is not how well they did in fantasy this week. It's how important they were to their team this week. And I get it that there's a, uh, that there might be a level of controversy because I did put on some people who actually their team ended up losing the game. One whose team ended up getting dominated in the game. But it is very important to note how important Micah Parsons is to the defensive line of uh, to the defense of the Dallas Cowboys. So I'm going to start with my first IDP spotlight of this week going to edge rusher Micah Parsons. He racked up five total uh, five total tackles and assists combined, and he added two sacks. So it's like, okay, um, you're listening and you're like, well, I mean, Micah Parsons, yeah, it's a name. yeah, but you know there there are other people who exploded the uh, exploded the line of scrimmage that much more, and I, I I'm I'm one hundred percent aware of the value of that uh, guys like um, T J Watt and uh, Khalil Mack had uh, had this week overall, but Micah Parsons when I was watching that that game he his two sacks came on third downs that stalled Buccaneer drives that would have probably ended in touchdowns otherwise. He also had another really uh, key uh, pressure on Tom Brady that led to an incomplete pass on another third down. So by himself, Micah Parsons saved at least 12 points. And it's like, okay, but, you know, the Cowboys still lost by multiple scores, scores, and they still lost their quarterback, and they still looked awful doing it. But I think there is definitely a difference between losing – but me personally, I definitely feel there's a difference between losing a game 31 to three and 19 to three. And, you know, you, you could argue that the, the, the value, uh, the value isn't here because they didn't win. But at the same time, he was the heart and soul that of that defense that night, the Buccaneers, a high power offense did only score 19 points against them. If the offense actually shows up and, you know, puts a couple of touchdowns on the board, then we could be talking very different. Dallas could be down too late uh, with, with the football. And, you know, who knows what happens at that point. Suddenly, the Micah Parsons stuff is really felt in this game. And, you know, he made that level of an impact, honestly, with Watt uh, injured for an extended period of time. And uh, it, you could already make the case that Micah Parsons has made is starting to make his case for defensive player of the year. So I'm jumping right in on that. Another player that uh, whose impact was far greater than his stat line at the end of the game, the second edge rusher that I'm giving it to for the defensive line is Von Miller, playing on Thursday Night Football. He only piled up four uh, combined tackles and assists, and he, but he did get two, ta- uh, two quarterback sacks. And because he was on that line, you saw the drastic difference in the Buffalo defense that that defense that uh, that couldn't that sees their season ended because they couldn't stop a uh, scoring play with 13 seconds. And they just got marched on the field, uh, marched off the field uh, during overtime. Von Miller already is showing that this line is going to perform, whether it was uh, Phillips, whether it was Basham, Rousseau, uh, at Oliver, well, he didn't make as much of an impact on Thursday, but I'm expecting impacts there too. The truth is, you saw how Miller made everyone better. He was all over the field. He was diverting plays away from him, and he got the two sacks on top of it all. That Buffalo defense somehow found a way to get stronger, and it was because they had it Von Miller. It was crystal clear when you were watching that game. 
if you didn't see it, you weren't trying to find it. Um, or yeah, if you didn't see it, you weren't paying attention. Um, I already said that if I hit two of the same type of uh, position, I would hit something from the opposite. So I'm going to look at an interior lineman and another guy in a losing effort who was really strong was Jeffrey Simmons, defensive tackle for the Tennessee Titans. And uh, he put together a total of six tackles and assists, two quarterback sacks, and a forced fumble. Uh, honestly, as far as defensive tackle games go, that was the, I believe that was the, uh, as far as fantasy goes, that was the highest scoring defensive tackle line of the league. And Jeffrey Simmons continues to dominate up the center. I went on record and I, I said a few things about the whole, um, when Harold Landry got injured, how much worse his Titans defense was going to be. And while I still stand by it, I may have crossed some lines and said some things like, um, I don't know if uh, Simmons is going to have the same level of impact. Well, Simmons' impact is not dependent on uh, on Harold Landry at all. Uh, I would like to apologize to, <laughs> to Simmons for saying that. And honestly, that Titans DL looked uh, looked pretty reasonable. Um, you know, it, it, all things considered, now granted it was against Ah, well, did, did they really look all that reasonable? And Saquon did kind of gash them for well, I don't know. Either way, there there were there were plays of impact that Jeffrey Simmons made during that uh, game, and this one was more of a stat line related pick because you know at, at the end of the day, it's uh at the end of the day, yes, you can go for a game impact, but you have to acknowledge the stat lines a little sometimes. Um, I didn't go there with Khalil Mack and T.J. Watt. Phil Mack and TJ Watt were people that I considered for this segment. At the end of the day, I felt that there was a lot of great team defense going on with each of those. And though I felt there was great team defense with Buffalo, I felt it was the Von Miller impact. Whereas with TJ Watt, there, there always seemed to be someone else, whether it was uh, Cameron Hayward, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick with a big game, so on and so forth. And honestly, Parsons would felt like he was on an island by himself most of that game. <laughs> like, this. I'm not trying to uh, slam the rest of the Cowboys defense, but uh, that game's a whole lot worse without him on the field. Moving right along, our IDP spotlight goes to linebackers. And uh, yeah, um, I'm going to hit the Monday night football game because I was really impressed with how, how well that uh, his field presence. We're going to go with, uh, Seahawks. Uh, Cody Barton piled up a total of 10 tackles, eight of them solo and a quarterback sack. And it wasn't just about when he was getting, uh, it wasn't just about when he was getting the tackles. It was about where he was getting the, uh, where he was getting the tackles. It always seemed like it was coming on a third down and he was stopping people before, uh, before they got the first or ju just past the line of scrimmage. I, I was shocked when I double looked and I saw that uh, he didn't have any tackles for a loss. Um, maybe, maybe uh, the two sources I checked just weren't, um, just haven't graded it that way yet. Maybe there's a stat correction coming as far as that goes. But, uh, you know, because I, I could have sworn there was at least two tackles for a loss during the course of that whole thing. It must have been line of scrimmage plays. But the truth is he helped to keep um, Ru uh, Russell Wilson in the pocket, and he helped to keep Javonta Williams in check to an extent. Yeah, no, there were plays that were broken. But at the end of the day, and even on one of those key goal line stands, he, he was very instrumental in pushing the uh, pushing the play to an area where the goal line stand happened. So uh, my hat's off to Cody Barton. Uh, I know he's not, you know, a, a, um, I, I know he's not too familiar a name yet, but you should expect that name to be a very familiar name. The Seahawks run a system that supports two linebackers very well. And uh, the, Barton was the guy that gave them the confidence to, uh, to release Bobby Wagner. So... Plenty of big things expected for him this season. Uh, moving right along. Next, I'm going to focus on a guy who got the green dot, who is now the captain of the defense for the first time, Nick Bolton of the Kansas City Chiefs. And honestly, he commanded that defense. That defense didn't allow uh, didn't allow Arizona to do anything early on. And a lot of it, I feel, is in part to his leadership. There's, it's a very young unit. It's but you know, it, it's one of those one. Is it? Yeah. No. It, it it's 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 a kind of young unit. Um, I'm thinking uh, Karloftis and uh, 
We also Snead's uh, Snead's not all that old. Willie Gay's only a year older than Nick Bolton. Nick Bolton's only been in the league for two years, though there are veteran presences like Chris Jones. So maybe I shouldn't jump too much on how young the unit is. the The point is, it was a unit that people did not know what to expect from that absolutely dominated in in its first game, and uh, Nick Bolton uh, did pile up 10 tackles, nine of them solo. He also had a very strong pasture grade. Like uh, his efficiency when he was, uh, when he was covering people was, uh, was about as good as any other linebacker in the league. I didn't do the linebacker comparison, but he was, he was definitely in the top uh, 10% of the league as far as that goes um, with with the targets to receptions allowed. So, uh, so yeah, I, overall the, the leadership, how he responded to uh, to having the green uh, the green dot and the microphone and the helmet, and uh, pilot up ten tackles and a strong passer grade too. Yeah, I'll take that any day, every day. Uh, others that I considered for the spot was Kamu Gruger Hill. The whole eighteen tackle effort, um, which is a little distorted because their defense was on the field for a lot of plays. <laughs> we'll get to that at a different point in the show, but it was on the field for a lot of plays. And uh, Jordan Hicks, um, a nice 14 tackle after, uh, effort in a sack versus the Green Bay Packers, really kind of anchored the center of that Vikings defense. He could have easily gone with him over Bolton, but, um, you know, Bolton's year two, Hicks has been around forever, and I, I, I gave the nod to the guy who's uh, being a, the defensive captain for the first time. So if this was week two, then maybe um, then maybe I would have put Hicks in the spot over Bolton. But at the same time, you know, you really can't argue with the results either way. And it's not like I'm not giving honorable mentions. Moving right along, two defensive backs. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. <laughs> yeah, uh, 14 total tackles, nine of them solo, a pass defense, and a pick six early on in that game. Honestly, it's kind of crazy that that was even a game. Like the fact that the Bengals had an opportunity to win that at the end of regulation after most of what this defense did. Oh, by the way, did we mention Minka Fitzpatrick blocked that extra point, uh, which is more on the snapper than it is good for Minka, but at the same time. And yeah, Minka did give up the touch. did help in the giving up of that touchdown. But at the end, end of the day, sometimes you look at the stat line and you can't ignore it. it you know, he had 14 tackles. He had the pick six and, and he can uh, contributed otherwise. Like literally the most important play of that game uh, or second most, I guess the most important would be the Boswell field goal to end it. Right. Um, so the second most important play of that game, the block extra point was, was Minka and on the snapper, but um but yeah, so I can't say enough there. Um, yeah, I don't think anyone's going to argue with makeup being one of the IDP spotlights for the secondary. The other one, it's uh, this one's a tad more dark horsey because I could have gone with um, Jonathan Owens, a Brandon Jones, uh, first interception of the season. I could justify going uh, Javon Holland first interception of the season. Could have also gone with Derek for uh, Derek Foster, uh, Forrest, who sealed the game late with an interception. But I decided to go with Nate Hobbs in a loss because honestly, he was incredibly impressive and they did not lose that game because of him. And when we're talking impressive, he's impressive. He was impressive all the way around. But I, I need to start with the whole, he was actually the fifth, uh, he was the fifth most avoided cornerback in the league who who played X amount of uh, snaps, so on and so forth. He was only targeted twice. And he only gave up one reception in in those targets. So, um, so yeah, this he 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 clearly proved that he was a target uh, that that he had uh, has great coverage skills as far as that goes. And near to a lot of hype early last year, uh, not as much hype this summer, but uh, someone who was on my radar the whole time. But you know, he was definitely someone who the char the Chargers tried to avoid when they were passing, and you know. Someone like Herbert is giving you that respect, how much that means. But on top of it, the thing that's even more impressive is how many plays he made away from the area that he was in. Because if he's not being targeted, the players the plays are going to a different area. He still managed to put together nine tackles, six of them being solo, a defended pass, and a forced fumble. Like, when they're going away from you, it's really hard to put up those numbers. This isn't Jalen Ramsey who got a good amount of tackles because he couldn't defend Stefan Diggs on Thursday night. This is literally someone they were going away from. 
yet still managed to put nine tackles up. That shows he's an elite tackler, too. And to have the forced fumble and, and defend the pass, yeah. No, um, I, I can't say enough good about Nate Hobbs this week. And, uh, yeah, because we did safety and cornerback, we will not be doing a third for the defensive backs. But we will be giving the IDP awareness spotlight to the rookies because, yeah, why not? We should you know, we should highlight some of these up-and-coming defensive stars. And, uh, well, up-and-coming, uh, up-and-coming might be a, a stretch. Maybe maybe some of these guys were already here, like defensive lineman Trayvon Walker, who, who comes up with a sack, a defended pass, and an interception in his first game of his career. Uh, also, four combined tackles and, uh, slash assists. Uh, yeah, he was all over the place for that Jaguars defense. And, you know, it's I said this a couple of times this summer, how the combination of Josh Allen, Foya Luakun, uh, Devin Lloyd, Chad Luma, I also added to, who who did not do as much of an impact. He was more preseason hype. And Trayvon Walker, the four of them working together, was going to open up play, big play opportunities for all of them. And it certainly did for Trayvon Walker. And moving to linebacker, it certainly did for Devin Lloyd, too. He had a lot of tackle opportunities. He got eight solo tackles, 11 tackles total. Um, excellent. On a day that where Nicobe Dean was a healthy scratch and uh, – Quay Walker didn't play as much. It was pretty obvious that the Devin Lloyd was going to have the upper hand, but he just he just kind of sees that as a whole too. So, um, yeah, eleven tackles, solid performance for uh for the rookie in his first game out. Definitely a guy to to keep an eye out on. Uh, if he's still available, I'm sure he's not available. If um in in many of the leagues that's running too, because he might have been a bench stash. Uh, linebackers he tends to be a position where people will stash on the bench as opposed to defensive back and uh, defensive line but uh, yeah moving right along to the defensive backs um, I'm gonna I'm going given one each way I'm giving the stat line and I'm also giving a uh, an overall impact and uh, well uh, or or an anti-stat line I guess I should say because he wasn't targeted Sauce Gardner was only thrown at two times this game and it wasn't because you know, it, it wasn't because it was um, because the game narrative had Lamar Jackson picking on someone else. It was because Sauce Gardner was had excellent coverage. Like, he's already shown some of that elite shutdown potential, only targeted two times, only one reception um, was, uh, no, no, uh, my bad. Yeah, only targeted three times, only one reception allowed. There was a defended pass, and there were two solo tackles. So... Yeah, you can't argue with those results. That's the, the, that's sounding like shutdown corner numbers right from the start. So literally right from week one, Sauce Garner is getting it done in the shutdown category. And in the piling up stats category, how about Jalen Petrie? 11 total tackles, five of them solo. Again, numbers are a little distorted because that Houston defense played a ridiculous, <laughs> a ridiculous amount of plays. Let's let's just go into that really quick. Um the Texans defense was on the field for 90 plays. So when we're evaluating some things later on, like we had an 18 tackle total from Camus Gruger Hill, and we had a 17 tackle in total from Jonathan Owens and an 11 from Jalen Petrie. We have to factor in that they're not going to be on the field 90 plays. <laughs> so, so one of those things where if it came to, if it came to definitely put them on your team versus keeping an eye on them, which I, which I definitely separated, uh, I put I kept an eye on most of the Texans, mainly because I'm not one hundred percent sure when the when they're only on the field for seventy plays if those tackle totals are sustainable. Now, granted, eighteen and seventeen are very impressive numbers, and eleven uh, great for a rookie in his first game. But at the same time, you know, you have to be cautious because they're not going to be on the field for 90 plays. You know, they were going against the Colts, Jonathan Taylor, some ball control offense. Um, so, yeah, again, take it for what it's worth. And uh, they weren't even the defense that was on the field for the most amount of plays. That was the Pittsburgh Steelers. Somehow that team managed that defense managed to be on the field 100 plays. Somehow their offense stranded them so bad that that defense had to play a hundred plays and uh, it, it clearly had wear and tear. Uh, we, we'll get to TJ Watt in a moment, but um, actually, yeah, no, we'll, we'll transition to TJ Watt right now because uh, 
because it, it's mentioned uh, he, he does have the the most notable IDP uh, injury this week is clearly TJ Watt. Yes, we also lost lost Derek Barnett for the season. Uh, we're we're playing bank. Uh, a few players might be coming back this week uh, in banged up forms in Shaquille Leonard and Josie Jewell and Jermaine Pratt. Uh, Pratt might is unless you have a deeper lead, he's he's sitting on the waiver wire. Josie Jewell is a borderline guy in a in a league where you're starting seven. IDPs that would be one IDP and two linebackers. So Josie Jules probably make it in. Shaquille Leonard is on a roster somewhere already. So, um, so they're all banged up dealing with issues right now. TJ with the TJ Watt news, it's it, it doesn't. There's nothing out there completely yet. It sounds like they're going to attempt to go with a rehab approach to a torn pectoral. Um, <laughs> I have no clue how you rehab a torn pectoral without doing surgery. So I, I don't have a lot to, yeah, I don't have a lot to say as far as that goes. I would just expect that I would just expect that TJ Watt, that TJ Watt is somebody who you're not going to be able to rely on for, for at least a six to eight week period. And if he does go that route, then he, he's not going to come back as CJ Watt. He'll still come back strong. He'll still come back, but he'll still, he'll still be putting up stats. Uh, if you have him on your team, he's will still be a start from you. It's just, he's not going to be as huge of an advantage as he would have been before. So, uh, so effectively, if you had TJ Watt on your team, if you're somebody who prioritized him uh, like, like I did in every league, in every league, then, you're going to have to find a creative solution to get that production back um, because more than likely, uh, because more than likely you did not have um, a DL on your bench. If you went uh, with two elite DL, you know, lucky me, I stashed Rashawn Gary everywhere, which worked out really well. So uh, I don't know how you're going to replace TJ Watt. You're not going to, uh, people are going to look towards Alex Highsmith, who's, but he's he's probably already taken it. He's he's listed as a top twenty-four player, so he's probably already taken, probably already on someone else's team. You could say, well, maybe Pittsburgh solves it in-house. Um, you know, to be completely honest, I would think that um, Robert Spillane is going to see a little more play time, and that uh, Cameron Hayward and Alex Highsmith are really going to be the ones anchoring that line. So. I, I don't know, like, um, if you're going to find it in team, you're going to have to find it out there, but I'm going to help you find that. So before I get into that portion of the show, though, I do want to give a quick shout out to my, my top five defenses of week one. And, you know, this is this is all from watching these and uh, paying attention to uh, to the different things that happened. And uh, hold on one second. Autumn, I'm going to need you to be a little more quiet. Or I'm gonna have to turn it off. Sorry. All right. And but yeah, um, so yeah, these are the defenses that I felt that even if they gave even if they gave up some more yards or some more points than um than 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 other teams, these were the defenses that impressed me the most this week. Starting at number five, Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, honestly to uh, by the time they gave up that late touchdown at the end of the game, they were already, that was already their like 90 something play. It's you're going to give up that touchdown if you're on the field for that long. So I'm not even going to count that against them. They, they, they piled up a ton of turnovers, a lot of sacks. And uh, at the end of the day, the Pittsburgh Steelers just swarmed Joe Burrow and made him look very pedestrian for one day. I wouldn't be worried if I'm uh, too worried if I'm a Burrow owner. But uh, I might have to think twice if when I'm when I'm going against the Steelers or the Ravens or another elite defense. So moving right up the list, uh, Seattle Seahawks that came out of nowhere. Honestly, uh, I mean, unless the Denver Broncos offense isn't that much better because of Russell Wilson, which I'm not, I'm not ready to believe that at this point in time. Um, then that means that you must believe that Seattle has a great defense. They didn't miss a beat from Wagner to Barton. Uh, they didn't miss, miss a beat with the people who replaced in that secondary. Jamal Adams uh, he, he even got hurt halfway through that game, and yet at the same time, they still 
had a strong defensive effort. They came up with two monstrous goal line stands, which is why they're lower on the list because they did allow it to get to the goal line. And, you know, that could easily go a different way another week. But, um, you know, for the night that it had to go, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that the Seahawks are the fourth best defense in the league. I'm saying I like their performance fourth most this week out of everything that I watched and everything I saw. Moving up the list, uh, the Miami Dolphins beat up on what looks like a bad offense, and they beat up on it hard. Uh, honestly, Miami could have got, gone to number one on this list, but um, I'm starting to believe that the Patriots have a really bad offense and might have a bad team. So, so it, I'm <laughs> Dolphins easily could have been first. I just like the offenses that uh, number uh, two and one beat up on more. Uh, a lot of turnovers, didn't give up a lot of yards. Uh, he only gave up one touchdown. It was late. It was irrelevant to Ty Montgomery. So, yeah, uh, big congrats to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, this defense that that I definitely said, I, I thought that it would be starting to age a little. And, um, you know, uh, I may have called like a, a Melvin Ingram washed at some point in time in this offseason. I'm going to go back and uh, correct that right now and say, uh, yeah, I, I'm not buying the Melvin Ingram hype train here. But at the same time, I'm not calling him washed anymore. And I'm definitely also... Uh, I'm definitely also believing that this Miami Steve, uh, Dolphins defense is a minimum of top 10 now at this point in time. If if not all, all the way up in the upper five, this is a defense that I could see sustaining this a lot of the year. But I'm not going to go too overboard because it was the Patriots. Clocking in at the number two position, I could have easily made this team number one because, honestly, it's kind of impressive doing what they did to the Rams. But uh, home opener, Super Bowl defending champions, the Buffalo Bills, but uh, absolutely kind absolutely humiliated the uh the uh the los angeles rams on um in the second half um in the second half of that game and you know start off the turnovers earlier in that game so anytime you can uh anytime you can turn over an offense that good multiple times and sack them as many times as you did and have that much explosiveness on the defensive line it has to be noted and it could have easily been the number one defense, but the number one defense for the week, that's this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense that played on Sunday night football looked exactly like, I'm not going to say exactly looked a lot like the, 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 the defense of two years ago. That was the reason why they won that Super Bowl. Levante David's making plays every, uh, making unsung plays everywhere big interceptions, uh, big defended passes. And I get it that Dallas is a reasonably depleted offense right now, but uh, Dallas still has a much better offense than the New England Patriots. Um, and, you know, yeah, <laughs> and a lot of other teams in the league, which is why I gave Tampa Bay this top spot, because for the majority of the game, I was looking and I was saying, oh, no, the Bucks defense of two years ago returned. I didn't need to think that Tampa Bay was better than I did a week ago, but I'm starting to think that Tampa Bay is better than uh, than I thought they were a week ago. So yeah, that is my top five defense segment. Now I realize I've been at this for a little while already, so I will try to go through this next part a little bit quicker. Um, one of the things we haven't covered is uh, Harold Landry's replacement. Um, we, we've already covered that. There is no real replacement for TJ Watt, but you know, you're going to have to get creative. You're going to have to make a trade. You're going to have to look for advantages at other positions and you're just going to have to be savvy on, uh, on the waiver wire. So you should definitely prioritize your defensive line with the waiver wire this week. If, if it has any significance in your league, uh, to your league scoring system, because those points that you were relying on TJ Watt for, like I have to imagine TJ Watt was the first defensive player taken in your draft. If they weren't, then uh, the guys you're playing with really don't know IDP. So I'm just going to flat out say that. So, uh, but yeah, so I, I definitely would prioritize getting one of these top few guys on your team if you missed Watt. As far as, um, as far as um, Harold Landry goes, if you lost him for the season, his backup, Rashad Weaver, actually looked pretty def uh, decent in that line. But Dupree did a little better, but he should probably already be on a team. Uh, Denico Autry did take a hit, but um, 
Jeffrey Simmons may or may not be on a team. It's all about um, what the uh, defensive tackle scoring like is is in that league. So, but yeah, um, but yeah, very much so. Rashad Weaver definitely looked like a player who could uh, who was filling in for Harold Landry decently. So, not saying he should be your top priority. If you can get one of these other guys, then definitely go for them. But. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, definitely uh, look into Rashad Weaver for the defensive line. Um, I'm just gonna start right here. If Rashawn Gary is available in your league, you pick up Rashawn Gary if you need defensive line help. That's that's a short list. That and Jeffrey Simmons. If they are in, available in your in your league, then you pick up Rashawn Gary. You pick up Jeffrey Simmons. Not saying Rashawn Gary is going to win Defensive Player of the Year because, because honestly, more than any of the other awards, I feel Defensive Player of the Year is more rigged. And at the beginning of the season, it was only ever going to be, um, Mike Parsons, T.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, or Miles Garrett. Be, you know, you could say Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa or Khalil Mack or, uh, you know, all you want. You could say Von Miller is definitely in the category that. They are deserving of it. They are deserving of it, but they're not going to win it because that award just feels like the sports writers already know who they want to vote for, and it's one of the other four. And that's the only reason why Sean Gary is not in the conversation for it, in my opinion. We're going to see a monster season from him. We already saw a really strong week one, but fair amount of fantasy points. I would not be surprised if he breaks out and puts himself in that elite, elite conversation over the course of the next two years. But that elite, elite conversation takes time because, honestly, he, he's going to be there by midseason. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons already is there, but, you know, once again, I'm hesitant uh, on uh, recommending because I don't know what the defensive tackle scoring is in your, in your league. Like, it, in leagues where they award points for quarterback hits, their value definitely goes significantly up. Um, but yeah, uh, I've noticed a lot of leagues I play def- uh, defensive ends and edge rushers tend to score more than defensive tackles. But with that said, even with that disadvantage, um, Jeffrey Simmons can be treated like uh, Cam Hayward, ju- yeah, just a ha- uh, half step behind Aaron Donald when it comes to fantasy scoring. He is that good. The loss of Harold Landry isn't going gonna, isn't gonna to affect anything. He might be available in your league because someone may have gotten rid of him when Harold Landry went down. Uh, so if they did, then you take advantage of that right now and you put a claim in for him. So other players that I feel pretty strongly about for uh, potentially putting waiver claims in, uh, Trayvon Walker, it could be the start of something special. Not saying he's going to duplicate it this week. I'm not saying that that isn't his best game of the season. I'm just saying that somebody is putting in a waiver claim for Trayvon Walker this week. And if you think that you're waiting another week and potentially picking up after a second big game, you are going to miss out on half one of your team because someone, if you're playing an IDP league, there, there's a great chance that there's multiple IDP savvy player, players in the league. I'm not saying all of them, but multiple. Um, Trayvon Walker is being picked up by someone. If he's not already on their team, like to be completely honest, every league I'm in, I'm pretty sure he, every league I'm in except for one, he's already on somebody's team. Because, um, frankly, because my wife plays a lot of fantasy football with me. And, uh, yeah, she was a huge Trayvon Walker fan. Um, she agreed with the choice of Walker over Hutchinson. And, honestly, right now, the Jaguars are kind of looking right. Um, not saying that Hutchinson will be amazing. So, uh, Quiddy Pay called it earlier on that with Yannick Ngakwe being added to the Colts. And, you know, a lot of different uh, – if, if you note that um, the Colts – did a lot of ball control in that game. So the Colts defense was actually on the field less and Quiddy Pay put up a huge sat line. So I'm expecting big things from Quiddy Pay this season. He could ease he could easily be a top 10. And uh, yeah, uh, give me one moment. All right. But yeah, Quiddy Pay, um, completely all in. Quiddy Pay all the way. There we go. And uh, Bradley Chubb, um, you know, a- after the departure of certain key peoples, uh, so, so on and so forth. And uh, but 
not being fully sure what that defensive line was going to look like for the Broncos. Um, I, I faded him a little just because he is a high injury risk, but uh, he looked healthy last night and he looked strong last night. And uh, I think I'm back in on at least giving Bradley Chubb bench spot. Um, so, yeah, I like, I like it. I, those are players that I would consider adding to my team if I needed defensive line help. And uh, yeah, since I, since I had TJ Watt in every league I was in, every IDP league I was in, I need defensive line help. <laughs> Though I also had Rashawn Gary on the bench and all of them. So I feel very good about that. I'm probably going to pick up someone that I can in order to fill that gap a little. Uh, other guys to keep the, an eye on for the defensive line. Uh, Bill's defensive lineman, uh, Boogie Basham, Greg Rosen, Rosenthal. Uh, Rosenthal. Wow, no. Greg Rousseau and uh, Phillips. Not the first name. Uh, but, you know, all, all those players made big impacts. Uh, Ed Oliver exited the game uh, early, but uh, he he's another big impact player. Uh, these guys are all going to potentially benefit from Von Miller uh, to some extent. The, you're keeping an eye on it because you don't know if it's going to be all of them benefiting a little or one or two of them benefiting a lot and the others benefiting a little. So keep an eye on it. See who's emerging. I would, if, if somebody's reaching and, and, and popping them on their team now, then, you know, I, I wouldn't be too concerned about that um, because they're just taking, they're just taking a gamble. Like, uh, I, you know, I, I have Ed Oliver on teams right now. So it's one of those things where um I'm not going to be keeping as much of an eye, but you know, if you can keep an eye out for Bash and Rousseau, Phillips, or Oliver, I think that you can put yourself in a good position. Uh, Dominique Robinson, Chicago Bears. Um, yeah, came a little out of nowhere for me, and uh, that's probably my fault uh, because I know other people were talking about him, and uh, yeah, no, so uh, definitely keep an eye there. And uh, Rashad Weaver for the Tennessee Titans, all players to keep an eye on. Uh, the ones I'm not buying into, uh, uh, Uchina uh, Wosu, Uchina Wosu from Seattle, and Jerry Hughes from the um, uh, from the Texans. Uh, Jerry Hughes has had big games before, and then he's backed it up with stinker performances. Uh, Jerry Hughes is a guy that you're only starting if you desperately need someone to start, and you're hoping to catch some of that uh, magic in a bottle. So um, I would not rush out to pick him up. And uh, Wosu is not someone who. Um, is not someone who I think is going to sustain what uh what he did. If I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. But um, yeah. There there's no reason to put him on your team, in my opinion. And half the, and most of the time, I look for a reason before I, I recommend something. Uh, sell high, Alex Highsmith. Um, yeah. Right now, uh, Alex Highsmith has had those booms or bust games before. A lot of people might be thinking that he's the answer, the answer for TJ Watt, and might be, and might be willing to overpay a little for him at this point in time. Not me, because I'm telling you to sell him high. But if somebody in your league has uh, had Watt and he was a part of uh, everything that was going on, uh, maybe throw them an offer uh, to try to get something for Highsmith. So, yeah. And then by low, Aiden Hutchinson. There is no way that a one tackle performance is going to be. Uh, anything but this rookie's worst game of the season so uh, autumn please very good job um so yeah aiden hutchinson uh by low at this point if somebody was willing to sell him low um you know people like me who are who are really high on hutchinson who saw walker have the uh performance and know that they can't get him might uh might overreact a little not saying i will but uh, might overreact a little and be like, okay, yeah, no, uh, maybe, maybe it was Walker and not think for a moment that both, both, both is good. Yes. Right. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Aiden Hutchinson by low, if you have that opportunity to move on the linebacker uh, again, these guys are fringe uh, in the, like, I, I, I don't know if Nick Bolton and Bobby Okariki are available in your league because sometimes people will stash a linebacker on the bench. Uh, sometimes there'll be an IDP spot too. There's no way Bolton or Okariki are available in those situations, but um, just double check really quick to make sure that Bolton and Okariki, uh, my bad, I keep on saying the old pronunciation. It's Okarike, Okarike, Bobby Okarike and Nick Bolton. Double check, make sure. 
Uh, someone I, someone might have also done name recognition for Jordan Hicks and Miles Jack. Um, but there's a good chance that a Miles Jack is still sitting in free agency. Um, I guess, yeah, m- m- maybe, maybe not. Like, I knew I was high on Jack, um, but uh, I got Jack in a lot of uh, end rounds of drafts. So, unless you're in a league with uh, with someone like me when it comes to IDP, then there's a good chance that Jack is sitting there waiting to be picked up because of the uncertainty of the Pittsburgh linebacker situation because it looked like they had three guys with Bush and Spillane and uh, Jack. Um, so yeah, Miles Jack is probably available. Definitely should be scooped up. He showed he was the leader of that. He he showed he was the leader of that linebacker core this week. Uh, Jordan Hicks again may or may not be available. Um, he wasn't listed in the top twenty-four. He is name recognition. He was new to the Vikings defense, so maybe he's available. Double check to see if Jordan Hicks is available. Devin Lloyd is probably available, um, unless you're in the league with someone like my wife who <laughs> scooped up a lot of Devin Lloyd. Actually, no, that's not a true statement. She's not the only one who scooped it up. Uh, Ethan scooped it up quite a bit. I took it when I had a chance to. Uh, James took it. So, yeah, no, re- really when it comes down to it, I, I don't know if Devin Lloyd's available because he was the hot rookie linebacker. Uh, but if he is, he's definitely worth the scoop up. Kamu uh, Gruger hill um, I've said that I would be cautious with all of the uh, big tackle guys from the Houston Texans because they're not going to hit 90 plays again. But the truth is, Mooker Hill has done this before. He's done the whole freakishly high tackle total before. So I believe in him more than anyone else to be make it repeatable and sustainable. And uh, yeah, so I'm definitely in on picking up Mooker Hill this week, even though until a week ago he wasn't listed as a starter. I'm 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 in on it. Uh, Zavin Collins is what he thought he we were going uh, thought he was going to be last season, and that was in a game where uh, we were on garbage time pretty quickly. Uh, I probably should put Zavin Collins and keep an eye on, but if you're going to keep an eye on Zavin Collins, that means that somebody else might take the chance. So that's why I would recommend putting him on the team now because this, it, it especially if you're playing in a league where there's like three or more linebackers get started. If if Zavin Collins isn't isn't on a team now, he's gonna be on a team after this week because of the performance from this week. And you might actually miss out on a solid LB three if you uh if you hold off. So uh moving right along, uh it's it's not a it's not a flashy pick, it's not a sexy pick, but uh Alex, Alex Anzalone, um he gets tackles. That's what he does. He doesn't win new games or anything, but he gets tackles. He gets consistent fantasy points, and uh, he's uh, he he is a low end starter. You know, when you're starting three linebackers and uh, or at least a top end bench player. And then Patrick Queen, uh, he is the opposite of Alex Anzalone. He's going to get you some boom and bust, and those booms are going to help you win games. And he may be available because uh, he's had some uh, he had it down the year last year, so. Uh, check into it. See if Pat Queen's available. He's probably not available because somebody probably put him on their team. But uh, there's always somebody who's high on Queen. But uh, especially um, especially since a lot of people were calling for Queen to have a big game in, in honor of the uh, Queen of England who just passed. So, yeah. Uh, may she rest in peace. But, yeah, those are linebackers who are definitely players that should be grabbed if you haven't. Um, Keep an eye on, keep an eye on the Alex Singletons, the UJ Speeds, and the um, and the uh, Akeem uh, Akeem Gaither Hills, because we don't know uh, what the Shaquille Leonard, uh, Josie Jewell, and Jermaine Pratt injuries look like. They're all projected for points this week as of right now, but you know the, these are the guys who who can step up into that role, be the key backups. Uh, they're, they're the key backups. They can step up into that role and take over at least a good portion of the production. So uh, if they're, and they're also players that have no value whatsoever if if the starter's healthy and playing. If the starter's playing, period. So uh, just keep an eye on uh, the Pratt, on the Pratt, Leonard, and um, uh I forgot the last one, Platt, Leonard, and Jewel injuries. And um, yeah, maybe Alex Singleton finds a role into the offense, but I'm personally not buying it. But uh, into the defense, but I'm personally not buying it. So uh, another thing to keep an eye on. Um, 
and maybe he should just be put on your team right now. But for me, uh, I don't think that the Michael Walker uh, is, it's either Mikel Walker or Michael Walker. It looks like it should be Michael Walker, to be completely honest. Uh, I'll look for a pronunciation to get it right next week. Uh, he had a big game. He did. He's listed as the uh, 100% of the snaps linebackers. I still believe in Troy Anderson, even though I probably shouldn't for this season. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not 100% sure yet. You know what? No, screw it. Dre, uh, put, uh, put Walker on your team if you have the space to. I'll keep an eye on Rashawn Evans to see if, if that um, if, if it could go closer to uh, what Jones and Aluokun was in the past. But you still have the Deion Jones thing looming. You still have uh, a rookie who could start to take snaps t- towards the end. But, uh, you know, Walker's definitely going to, at the very least, be a, a great guy to get you through bye weeks in the early going of the season. And honestly, could just legitimately be the, ne- uh, the next big thing at, uh, in Atlanta. So, yeah. Put Walker on your bench. Keep an eye on Rashawn Evans. Uh, also, keep an eye on Quay Walker. Um, this Georgia defense looks real, and he had a pretty decent week one. Um, you know, and I, obviously the Georgia defense is real, but uh, this Georgia defense looks real in converting to the NFL. Um, yeah, so definitely Quay Walker. Uh, Ernest Jones for the Rams. I liked what I saw. Uh, ne- next to Bobby Wagger there. So in the past, they've only supported one top linebacker, but who knows? It could just be a thing where the talent of Jones and Wagner together, um, yeah, become something for the Rams. So I'm not buying into TJ Edwards. I still believe Nicobe Dean's taking his job over at some point in time, sooner than later. I know he was a healthy scratch and they gave the confidence to uh, TJ Edwards, but that's just because, you know, Nicobe Dean is still recovering from an injury um, that, that that was suffered last year. So given a couple of weeks to get a, a little more acclimated to the NFL, uh, the, the TJ Edwards thing is not going to be long-term. And honestly, I'm not sure that you're going to start him over the other linebackers that you probably already have on your roster. So that's a, not buying into TJ Edwards. Sell high, um, Fred, Walk, uh, Fred Warner. And I know that sounds absolutely crazy. Uh, one of the reasons why I didn't cover any Bears or 49ers yet this show, that um, that Waterworld exhibition game that happened, uh, I'm not putting any stock in anything that happened in that game. And I know a lot of people aren't either because those were not NFL conditions to be played. Honestly, that game should have been postponed. Um, it could have easily been sliding, uh, slid uh, into the Monday night slate. They could have easily had an early game. They could have uh, made the, made the, push, push the game off later in the day. Uh, those were not NFL conditions. Shame on the NFL. Shame on the Chicago Bears uh, for for having it play out that way. So, uh, you know, that, that's all I have to say as far as that goes. Take everything that you saw in that game with a grain of salt. And since a lot of people are taking that stance, uh, they'll be saying take the Fred Warner thing, uh, low tackle total with a grain of salt too. Except for the fact that that 49ers defense has Greg Leenraw and Aziz Alshire also. There's a very good chance that if you have any of them, you have a good linebacker, but you no longer have an elite fantasy production linebacker. Red Warner is probably still getting elite production. When I saw some of the snap counts for Greenlaw and for... uh, um, Greenlaw and uh, Alshair and tackle total, so on and so forth. It has me a little bit concerned. So while Fred Warner's value is still freakishly high, trade him away. And then uh, if you could buy low, uh, he had a down season last year and he's struggling with injury early on. If you could buy low, get some Shaquille Leonard. Pretty simple. Would also put Nicobe Dean here, but um, you know I can't uh, I can't just continue to put. Uh, uh, rookies for, for the buy low category. You got to spice it up a little. Moving right along, and we're going to be ending the show very soon. Uh, defensive backs, uh, pickups. Uh, Nate Hobbs, 100% pickup Nate Hobbs, especially in a league where you're starting a cornerback. If you're starting a cornerback, he's 
is his range of possibilities for the season includes cornerback one. Um, another going with another cornerback, Troy Hill. Troy Hill, uh, back with the Rams looked like he did two years ago when he had a top 10 cornerback finish as far as fantasy points. They had Troy Hill, he's probably going to be competitive enough to keep up with the safeties. So, Brandon Jones, monster game for the Miami Dolphins, and someone who is just outside of the top 24, someone who is definitely projecting his way into it. Marcus May, again, same situation as Brandon Jones. Marcus Eeps, a little further back, not as big of a game, but at the same time, yes, a player that should be at it. So, add Brandon Jones from the Dolphins, Marcus May from the Saints, and Marcus Eeps from Epps from the Philadelphia Eagles. Players to keep an eye on. Once again, I said it before. The only thing that has me concerned about the Houston Texans and why Jonathan Owens and Jalen Petrie are keeping an eye on is because that they're not going to be on the field 90 plays again next week. With that said, if you're in a league where you're starting an IDP spot, like, you know, you're starting two of each and then an IDP spot too, at some point in time, the linebacker, the, the quality linebackers run out and you might have to put a high end safety in that. Uh, IDP spot if that is the situation or if you're playing even a deeper league than that like uh, like our loaf league uh, where where you're starting every uh, where you're starting every position um, Jonathan Owens and Jalen Petrie are must pickups immediately right now because uh, if they do bust you just pick up later on but if they don't bust you literally have a person uh, a safety that you can put in the IDP spot that's going to keep up with the with the linebackers that other people are putting there. So 100% pick those guys up now. Asante Samuel Jr., especially if you're playing cornerbacks. Richie Grant, player that I love for the Falcons, and uh, he he proved it in week one that he's good. Jeff Oduka, back from injury. Uh, the Ravens' safeties, um, the thing to keep an eye on is we, we know that the two of them are probably going to be monsters and one of them is going to be okay. And I don't know how soon Kyle Hamilton's taken over. Obviously, Marcus Williams made a bold claim for playing time, which is why I'm not buying into Chuck Clark. Um, but at the same time, you need to keep a situation on, uh, uh, keep an eye on the situation of Kyle Williams, uh, Marcus Williams, and um, Kyle Hamilton, Marcus Williams, and Chuck Clark. Um, uh, Talanoa Hufanga. Uh, um, he played all the snaps for the 49ers this week. He is the new thing. Uh, he, he is the players player who's taken over in the 49ers secondary. He had a high tackle total. Keep an eye on him. I wouldn't go out and put him on your team. Like he's in a situation with Jonathan Owens. If you really, if you, if you don't have the linebacker depth, you should definitely scoop him up immediately and, and, uh, just cut him if he doesn't work out. But, uh, he looks like a player that definitely needs to have an eye kept on him or in a deeper league, picking up immediately. And uh, Akalo Witherspoon, Pittsburgh Steelers, on my radar in the preseason. And, um, yeah, uh, I'm not sure if, if your league doesn't play cornerbacks, then I'm not sure that um, um, that he's a definite pickup, which is why I have him on the watch list. But he's a cornerback who could potentially break into the, some of the safety scoring at the defensive back position. Ones I'm not buying into. Uh, Derek Forrest is playing as a result of Cam Curl being hurt. Um, Mike, uh, so for, for the commanders, so I'm not 100% sure I'm willing to buy in yet. Mike Jackson, uh, started because two cornerbacks in front of him were injured, so I'm not sure that I'm buying into Mike Jackson from Seattle Seahawks. And I already said Chuck Clark, sell high, Marcus Williams. Uh, honestly, uh, people, you know, it's we've seen Marcus Williams had brilliant games before, we've seen him. Uh, have games where he wasn't as brilliant with the Ravens. It's easy to believe that anyone's going to be brilliant any week. You might have someone in your league who's looking to desperately to grab a piece of that Ravens defense. And uh, if they're being offered, Marcus Williams might pay a little more than he's worth. So it's especially if, you know, if, if um, safeties have good value in a league and uh, buy low, um, the honey badger. Um, really, it's, you know, his numbers weren't overly spectacular. I mean, obviously still a good fantasy effort. He didn't cost you a game, put up 13 points by ESPN standard scoring, but, uh, much lower on the list than a lot of other players and, uh, not as big of a tackle total as normal. Uh, this Saints defense in that second half of that game, uh, showed what it's going to be all year. Um, with the offense scoring the way it's going to, uh, score, there's going to be opportunities for, the defense takes some chances, make some big plays, and uh, Honey Badger definitely fits into that equation. So buy buy low on some Tyron Matthew if if you and if he's uh, if so you, yeah if he's on someone's team he might not even be on someone's team. So definitely look into 
the Matthew department. And yeah, that's everything, guys. Um, so I hope you enjoyed it. I hope I helped you out with your uh, IDP waiver wire claims. And uh, I guess I did okay keeping the show right around an hour. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being a part and uh, really appreciate it. Remember, if you like what you heard, uh, like, follow, subscribe, uh, share, comment. Um, I'm going to put up a post in the in the uh, Facebook group. And um, yeah, I'm going to put up a post in the Facebook group and potentially on the YouTube page either for asking if the people want a full, a, a more detailed version of an IDP newsletter coming out on Wednesdays or if they want the show to potentially be live uh, today around the one o'clock time. So uh, yeah, I definitely, um, so definitely give your feedback. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being a part. Remember to rate us uh, five stars, Apple, Google, and uh, just follow us on all the uh, on all of our, all of our platforms: uh, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. And uh, thank you all for being a part of the GML Real community. For now, this is GML uh, for Real signing off. Like potentially TJ Watts. Excuse me.